Welcome to this episode of the Pro Player Podcast. Today, I'm delighted to say we are joined by Christy Kylie, 15-year coaching career, mainly in college sports in the United States, a former player in Europe and the United States. Christy's Point Loma University are the current 2023 D2 national champions. She is a mother of two, an aspiring dancer and one aspiring soccer player. Her husband is a teacher, and this is a family that I know personally love, breathe, and do everything soccer. I am delighted to welcome Christy Kylie to the Pro Player Podcast. It's great to be here. I, I've been listening to your interviews already, and I feel like I don't belong in the conversations <laughs> you've already had in many ways. You've had a number of guests on that are impressive and have great careers and tenures and so hopefully hopefully it's just some good friends having a good conversation absolutely well let me tell you for those that don't know you yet christy you are one of the people i've we've worked together before in the past and i've i've come across a lot of coaches in my career but as you sort of alluded to there in your introduction very few share both the competency and knowledge level and the the compassion and the humility that you do and I think when people tune into this episode, they, they're going to get a crash course in everything that's right with coaching in the women's game. But also, they're going to learn how to win a national championship because you are a national championship winning coach. And, you know, before I kind of go into any of that, we're so lucky to have you here. And I just want you to share those kinds of things, how you became to be the coach that you are, how you have that blend and that balance, because we see loads of coaches who are tactical geniuses and have all the knowledge and then we see other coaches who don't quite get it done but you do both you do it all so tell us what are the keys to it how did you end up where you are let's help any aspiring coaches listening to us today well first of all thank you uh for that compliment that is a big compliment from you you are well connected in this world so i appreciate that and i remember Gaffi when we were working together at one point, you might have given me one of the best compliments I've ever received, at least from my perspective. Oh. And you said, I, and again, you've worked with so many different um, people and different levels, different types of coaches. And you said, you are one of the most European thinking coaches that I've worked with. Yeah. And for me, that was such a huge compliment having played over there and obviously um, where the game was born. Yeah. And so I, I mean, had my chest up, I had chest out and, and was ready to conquer all after that compliment. So I appreciate that. Man, if I had a, a sentence that I could sum it up into how to reach those goals or be the way that you have complimented me so generously on, I think I would write that down and look mm -hmm. at it all the time. But I think for me, it feels like the culmination of a lot of work and a lot of time. I think if it takes a village to raise a child, I, I feel that way about myself as a coach. I, I think about, you know, after we won that the championship, the number one feeling that I had, and I get, you can't create this. This is just what, what comes upon you when you're in those moments was deep, deep gratitude. That was the very first and the most long lasting feeling that I've had since that. And I think it's gratitude for all of the people that have invested over the years, whether that's a parent driving you to many, many sessions um, or other coaches along the way that have spoken into your hard moments and your dark moments, because we all have those who encourage you when maybe you're even ready to stop. Um, you're not sure you have uncertain moments. Um, there are people who speak into that over and over and over again. And then there are people that you call when, when you've done it, you know, mm -hmm. you get to share with them in those moments too. I was, I, I had called a friend, he's another college coach who, and, and these aren't even people you see all the time. These are people though, that you can, um, reach out to maybe when you're struggling. And we were talking about something else. The, the need for the phone call was about something else, but I said, you know, um, I just want to say thank you because I feel that deeply. I feel like this championship is being shared with so many people. <laughs> that is how I feel. I do not feel like it is mine. Mm -hmm. I feel like it is years of work, years of people, years of guidance, years of counseling, years of borrowing, years of spending time on my own thinking about what do I want this to look like? Who do I want to be? 
in this world, um, in this coaching world. Um, and so I guess I answer the question by saying, you know, people talk about community, wanting a sense of community. And somebody said, if you want uh, 20 years worth of community, if you want that feeling, then you have to be somewhere for 20 years. I think the same is true for our professions. If you want to have that wisdom that comes with age and experience and time, then you have to be willing to go through that. There are no shortcuts to it. And that means going through the hard stuff and going through the good stuff and, and being able to reach back in that toolbox and pull out what you need for that next moment. Um, and so I, I guess that's, how do I do both? I don't know. I, I feel like I tap into whatever resources around me um, mixed with my own life experience and how I see the world and um, and try to operate best from there. It's so it's so fascinating and it's so intricate. Every you know, we talk about this profession and every interaction, every conversation, every decision, what you say, what you don't say how you say it, when you say it, you know, you can't go through 15, 16 years of, of career as you have and, and get to this ultimate accolade of, you know, in America, being a national championship, being a national champion is the thing. And, and that's where a lot of coaches are judged by. But ultimately, there must have been a time in your career, maybe earlier on, where, you know, and there'll be people listening to us now I know who perhaps aren't where they want to be or are in the middle of that now or can't see that end goal and, and they're going through it and they're struggling and, and you've been there. So what, what, what would you, what would you say to them if they're listening today? It's a, it's a great question. Um, I think in this, I want to say in this profession, but I would argue even if you have aspiring CEOs listening, <laughs> that it would be the same for them. I mean, ultimately running your own college program is like running your own business mm. and you have to have a long-term vision um, and you have to have a vision. And I think that's one thing you're really good at Gafi is being able mm. to um, being able to see that and then being able to articulate or even come alongside people mm. who who want to do that and help them kind of get to those places. But I think it is, a, I will say of the giftings that I feel like I have and the plenty that I do not have. Um, uh, one of the ones that I have is an ability to, to see what this could look like mm. and to work doggedly until I get there. Mm. And, and I think what's lost on people in certain moments um, is that that work to get there is hard. Mm. and it's enjoyable mm. and it makes you question and doubt and you get to celebrate and watch young people grow or um, watch them turn into the player you always knew they could be um, mm. and 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 it is a mixture and you have to be okay with the mixture and you have to be okay with the process I mean, mm. I, I, and I know you know I hesitate to use coach speak but I, I mean this deeply and genuinely in this work, you have to love and trust your process. Mm. You have to love and trust your process. And if you don't, you'll give it up at some point or yeah. you'll, you'll be um, um, moved in a direction that you shouldn't move because of mm. a way an athlete responded or um, a way, you know, whether it's media for maybe the professional or parents, if you're in the college game or admin, if you're in the college game or uh, management, if you're at an organization, it, you could be moved by people instead of sticking with what you know. And that doesn't mean you're not flexible yeah. uh, or maybe adapting or adjusting. But if this is what you see and you believe that you're on track to get there, you have to trust that process, even in the moments of of hardship because you're going to you're going to come across them and so but i i think those are the moments where i call on call on friends and yeah. and talk talk about what is hard in the moment listen i mean to what you're creating right now it's a great opportunity for people who are in those moments to be able to listen and go okay i'm not alone somebody else has done this um and let's do it together let me invite people into these spaces nobody wants to air their dirty laundry for sure mm -hmm. but I think the moments that I've have and invited people in I feel like I've been cared for so that I can care for the people that I'm working with better and and get them where we all want to go 
I, cu I couldn't have put it better myself. That's exactly the point of this project and why we started in the first place. And I think, you know, for people that are listening today to you and, and you know, want to emulate what you've done and want to have a career in the game and, you know, this importance of this network of people that you can rely on. And that kind of dichotomy between that and then the moments where you are alone and it is just your thoughts and your decisions and very few industries i think throw up both and and you know that strength knowing that strength that you have in yourself in those moments when it's tough not just when there's five minutes to go and you're two nil down that's a different kind of pressure right but you know having to make a big decision on the direction of a program on a recruiting policy on on any big major change that's going to affect you might not even see the outcome for years down the line you know six years currently as head coach in your current guys and and 2023 you win the national title so where does that strength come from how do people go about gaining that if they don't currently have it or if they would like to be better in that area what do they do Oh, that is tough, Graffy. And you might, I know, yeah. <laughs> you might keep some of this, you might cut some of this, because yeah. I think where my mind first goes is yeah. it's hard culturally to fight it, even mm -hmm. for yourself. And so mm -hmm. to answer that question of how does the strength come? I mean, it obviously it comes through both success and failure, not just failure, but mm -hmm. but certainly an ability to stick with it, a resiliency. And and culturally, we're just not encouraged in that way anymore. And so because of that, um, man, I think we need some major restructuring in how we do that as a society, yeah. since I can't fix that, or or maybe in an effort to fix it in, in my small world that mm. I'm in. Okay, I'll give you I'll give you an example. So Jimmy Fallon does mean tweets, yeah. right? So he takes tweets that people tweet about him or um, and he reads them and gets a good laugh. Right. And I think the ability to laugh at mm. yourself is mm. important when you are in the public eye, mm. often mm. as something like that is. Mm. Um, and so in an encouragement for our players to take our feedback well, um, I kind of try to, I try to get them. I mean, that's, that's a new thing we're having to work on. Back in the day when you and I were playing, a coach said something and you just did it. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. And nowadays with, with ideas of perfectionism or an ability to create yourself in a certain image, whether that's on social media or, or whatever, and then have to be something different or, or you are something different, that's hard. And so to meet these players where they're at, I took some of my own evaluations over the years and I read them to them. And wow. I said, look, you, you all have to give me feedback and I have to give you feedback. But if it's not feedback to get us both in the direction and the vision of the program and where we want to go, then it's not helpful. Yeah. And so I don't, I wish we could, we could both talk because the student athletes, they come in, they mm -hmm. do their anonymous evaluation, it gets yeah. sent to admin and we don't have a conversation. And so I, I asked them, I said, I need you to come with me. And we actually put on their end of season evaluation, we put a question on there that was, what do you need from us? Yeah. What, is there anything we need to do differently in order to, to communicate more with you and from you? Um, and I'm going to be able to, I have to be able to share these things with you because I believe that you can be at this level. And then I told them a story about the other day. So our men's staff and our women's staff and a, maybe a couple other uni local universities, we play together, usually in the spring, summer, you know, two, okay. two times a week or so, one or two times a week. And it is so fun. And one of our men's staff, he, he was a pro player in South Africa. He's very good. Love him. But we're, we're playing and I had a ball and I love playing with him. I always try to get on his team. And he's like, yeah. Christine. And I'm like, he's like, bring it down with your chest. And I, I was in like, my first response was what? It was probably like defensive. Yeah. yeah. Like, don't, don't talk to me like that, Brett, you know? Yeah. And then yeah. my second immediate response was, oh my gosh, Brett thinks I can do that. Yeah. Yeah. Like I walked away from that session and I am, I was 38 years old, <laughs> a 38 year old mother of two coaching women's college soccer division two. And I am pumped and empowered. Yeah 
that Brett thinks that I can handle a ball in that scenario under pressure, bring it down. Like, man, he thinks that of me. And I try to tell my players when I'm giving you that feedback, it is because I think that of you. And I hope that the feedback is like, you take that as an empowerment mm. and not a, you're getting it wrong because we're all going to get it wrong. Um, gosh, Gaffey, forgive me for losing track of your initial question. No, you haven't. That's absolutely <laughs> genius. It's perspective. You're talking about perspective, aren't you? It's, it's yes. perspective that an athlete uses to yep. take the feedback. And if they choose to take it personally, and again, look, what you're saying here is not just you're not just throwing out a be positive comment. You're actually talking here in terms of real process. And you have to build a lot of trust and you have to have a rapport. And you've, you've done all those things to get to this point where you're now saying, you know, I'm giving you this feedback because this is what I believe you can be. And then when the athlete knows that you're in it for the right reasons and they can trust you, then they have the reaction that you've had when Brett has told you that as a player. And that surely, Christy, that's the magic, isn't it? Whatever level, whatever in the world, isn't that the magic? Yes, and I think it absolutely it is. And and you have to you have to navigate your way there and navigating, I mean, sometimes you're climbing over boulders. Not everything is a smooth path that you get to to run on. Like sometimes you're you mess up and you say the wrong thing and you have to be okay owning that piece. Um and you have to be okay with the mistakes. And I think Jill Ellis said um in a moment when she was having a difficult time as the head coach of, of our national team. I think she said, I listened one time to her being interviewed that her dad said to her, cause I think her dad was a coach. I could be wrong. He, was, but, yeah. Um, yeah. he said, if you haven't been fired, you haven't no, actually yeah. coached, yeah. you know, which is very daunting uh, <laughs> for a coach to think about. And, and while I haven't been fired, I've had a, a fair share of really difficult yeah. moments and interactions with athletes and and i've had to learn this is fascinating to a lot of people listening as i'm sure right and we talked earlier about how you have this ability to balance both the competency and the knowledge side and the um the very real process feeling side where, where it's the human side right so for an aspiring coach now who might be starting out in their career or might be taking stock and reflecting on their career in the industry right now if they had to put a number on this is it as simple as saying it's 50 50 You've got to spend 50% of your time on this and 50% of your time on that. And not just in terms of actually your work, but in terms of how you get better at both sides. Or would you prioritize one side of the spectrum over the other? Or is this just an organic amalgamation of ongoing learning and all the experiences, as you said so far? Yeah, what a what a brilliant question. Um, I think, uh, man, I think you have to have, you have to be a student of of life, of people, yeah. of the game, if you want to do well in this work. And, and obviously Pep is a brilliant mind and, and we all know that from the outside, but what strikes me most when I read or listen or observe from afar with him is he is such a learner, mm. a learner of people, of culture, of cultures, um, of the game. And I think if you want to do this well, and by well, I I don't mean national championships or trebles. Mm. I, I mean, enjoyment and satisfaction mm. and the as close as we can get to the purity of why we do what we do, which is, I think, very hard to get to um, yeah. with all that's involved and invested resource wise now. I think you have to stay a learner or you will be miserable or you will be fired <laughs> or... Yeah he will miss opportunities to be great. And again, being great doesn't mean being famous or popular. Mm. It just means, uh, I think, things like reaching your potential, yeah. tapping into what you're gifted and good at. As far as the split, um, and the only thing I can speak to is my career. My question is, or my about the question I'd pose back, maybe even to your audience is, does it depend on the level? Mm. You know, I, I'm a division two coach, it's me, it's my assistant who became full-time not that long ago. A um, mm. couple people who come in and out of the program when they can, um, mm. you know, a goalkeeper, co goalkeeper coach. Whereas when I was at the division one level, uh, how many of us were there? Five, six of us, yeah. you know, yeah. so, so we can tap into different parts of the program. And so, uh, you know, at the professional level, I mean, the amount of staff that you have mm. is, is tremendous. And you're managing all of those people. 
And you got to make sure they're saying the things that, that you want said to the players and engaging with them in the ways that you want. And so there's that management of that trickle down. And so does it depend on the level? I don't know. That may, might be the question I'd pose back to, to somebody else or to the audience. For me, what I can speak to is I remember when I first got, when they had the opportunity to become a head coach, I was not ready. I like it to I liken it to marriage if that's if that's something that you, Are you ever ready? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That you choose to enter into parenting. Yeah. Like you're, you're never a hundred percent sure. But yeah. I knew I knew I was really good at culture and leading at that time in my life. Mm-hmm. I was always voted a captain on whatever team I was a part of, and I, I knew I was good at those things. For me as a player, I was very instinctual. Right. Everything for me, I'm a feeler of the game. Um and so the X's and O's, like I don't, I wasn't necessarily taught some of those pieces that are very important as a coach. And so I couldn't tell you how to get from A to B. In my mind, it was just, that's what you do. Mm-hmm. Coaches left me alone as a player. I was a central midfielder. I don't know. I think that was in some ways probably good for me as a player, in some ways detrimental. Um, I think there was great trust for my decision-making. But I think because of that, when I got into coaching, I don't know, it took me, I worked very hard early on to learn how to teach. Yeah. Because I think you have to, you have to know how to teach. And I, I, I wasn't good at that early on, but I was really good at, at culture. Can I, let me ask you, let me ask you, if you don't mind, like what, so when you say you weren't good at it, right. <laughs> and I, I, I get it. Like there are things early on in our careers that we know we're not good at, but like, what, what did you, in the moments when you weren't good, were you aware, and this is towards our audience listening, like, were you aware yeah. of not being good at it at the time? Did someone else tell you? Or mm. was it just a, 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 a kind of nagging feeling in the back of your mind where you just didn't feel up to scratch? Because lots of people listening will know that feeling. Whether they engage with it and embrace with it, I think, is the biggest determination of whether or not they go on and achieve their potential. Because a lot of people refuse to engage with that. Were yeah. you aware in those moments or was it more something in the back of your mind that you felt um, uneasy about and you were like, well, I'm just going to go and get better at it then? Yeah, what a great question because we could measure that in a few different ways, right? Mm-hmm. We could measure whether you're good at it by your record. Yeah. Measure it by whether someone tells you. Yes. We can measure it if players leave your program. Yeah. We can measure it by the way people talk about your style mm-hmm. or you can measure it by your own insecurity or um, um what do people call uh, imposter syndrome? Awesome. You know, people, people, people feeling that way at times. Um, mm. I think for me, I try to be really, really self-evaluative. Mm. Um, sometimes, uh, often self-critical, yeah. um, and, and so, certainly sometimes not in the best ways. But I think there's some of that. Again, that's I, I would maybe the more positive spin on it is a learner. Yeah. Stay a learner. Um, I think at that point in my career, it was probably uh, 70% self, hey, this is what I think, or or just a desire. For me, it was just, a, it was a desire to want to learn and grow and get better. And so I was soaking up from wherever I was at. Yeah. Um, I think sometimes it was maybe a look a player would give that I could I could tell they didn't understand. Yeah. And, and I, again, there are many things that I am not in my profession, but one of the things that I feel like I can do is read well. Mm-hmm. So I can read my audience well. And so my players, I can, their body language, um, their response. Okay. I, I can see they don't get that or they're not doing the thing that I need them to do. And so I need to, that might be on, I always, instead of that's the player's fault, it's, I need to explain it differently. Mm-hmm. I need to paint the picture better. Um, and so that is how I entered into the profession was, I'm not sure about this part of myself. If, I, I mean, I thought I was sure. I felt really good before I stepped into it. Like I think a yeah. lot of us do. Uh, yeah. I, I know this game. I play this game. I think I play it at a high level. I think it, I feel it. Yeah. Um, and then I step into the role and I think, ooh, you know, so-and-so is not doing exactly what I want them to do. And so I I must need to make a change somehow. I think early on it was that. And yeah. Um, and, and I think I just know, I know when it's not coming out the way that I want it to, or we're not accomplishing the things I want us to, again, not record-based. Did you know that at, at the start or was that something you learned as you went? Uh, Did you maybe a that? little bit of both, maybe a little bit of both. I think early on I thought, um, and you know, when you're first starting your career, 
and I was young. I was 26 as a head coach first time yeah. uh, for an NAIA program. Um, I don't know that I, I, I had a vision for what I want the program to look like as a whole holistic version, who I wanted them to be as students or, you know, what I hoped for in that way as citizens mm -hmm. of our community, as footballers. Um, stylistically, I was, I've always been more drawn to a Spanish style, uh, yeah. having the ball. I was a central midfielder. I always wanted to be on the ball. Give me the ball, please give me the ball. And, and so I knew that, but I, I don't know that I knew exactly what I wanted our, our style as a team to, to be, because we didn't have Iniesta or Xavi or Messi, you know, so well, honestly, I was wondering how long it would take for you to mention Xavi and it's taken 20 <laughs> minutes. So you've. You've already blown the record out the water. I added it. Yeah. So, so for listeners, that is my favorite player of all time. Um, we actually tried to to name our daughter Zavinia. Uh, we are not Spanish. We are Americans. We are Californians. It felt talk about imposter yeah. syndrome. It felt like yeah. we were imposters because we wanted to male or female. We wanted to to name her Javi. Yeah. Um, my yeah. husband was pulling for Jeter because he is a Yankees fan. Um, no, but but Javi, I'm drawn to him when I watch him play. And so because and so instead of what I think a lot of us do, at least I know young, I just wanted it to look like that. I wanted it to look like Barcelona 2008 to 2011. I wanted it to look like that. And so you try to, you know, borrow, steal and try to put your own twist and spin on it. Um, but it wasn't, I mean, the later, the later I get into my career, the more I want it to be my own with all the borrowing and stealing of things I like, but you get to, you, you start to see it differently and there's nothing you can do in the interim. I mean, you have to experience, you have to, to ask questions. You have to watch, you have to learn. There's no shortcut to that. There's no fast forward to that. Um, but I, but I remember thinking I'm really good at the, the culture side. So then I go on in my career, I make a couple changes to where I'm coaching. I come, come back to a head coaching position and I call a friend, a dear friend of mine, who's high up in, in the game here in the States. And I say, gosh, I thought I was really good at culture and leading. Um, I feel like I'm not doing that very well, but I love the game and I feel like I'm actually really good at the game and seeing it in a different way. And I don't know how other coaches feel. I've, I've not actually really talked about this with many coaches, but I, I feel like coaching is a bit like life for me. Like the older I get, the, the onion gets peeled back another layer. And yeah. I think, oh my gosh, I've been missing out this whole time on seeing the game in this way. Yeah, yeah. You know, you, you learn a new piece, a new dimension of it, a, a new way to think it. And maybe that's your experiences. Maybe it's something somebody said, maybe it's something you watch. Maybe it's a, a course you went to, who, who knows where you get it from. But I felt, and, and her response to me was, um, I think, isn't that you just developing professionally? I mean, didn't you get you were really good at this area, then you got really good at this area, and now you're you're merging those two together. Isn't that just the development? Why did why does that have to be negative? Yeah. Why does it have to be that you're no longer good at, at leadership? Yeah, I don't think it is a negative. You're right. <laughs> I don't think it is a negative. And yeah, you, yeah, you might be a little bit overcritical of yourself. I agree. But I I can see now that you're in a space where you don't see it as a negative either. You're you're comfortable that that is an a, an evolution of yourself. And like I I, I don't know. We've definitely talked about this concept before. I don't know what, how to put it in words, but there is definitely an element of your career where you start out, as you said, where you're borrowing and you're, um, you know, you're, you're, you're not being someone else, but you, there's this version of your start of your career where you are copying, right? And then somewhere around your kind of mid-20s, if you started young or early 30s, you're kind of starting to have that drive, as you've said there, to really make it your own and and. I don't think it's a bad thing if, if people listening are, are in the middle of that on some part of the spectrum and they don't never really thought of it like that before or they're listening to you now for the first time, understanding that there's a process. What I love of what you said, Christy, is not to rush it, not to panic, not to try and get through that because everything in life is about, can I get to the top? Can I be a head coach? Can I win something? Can I, can I get a seat at the table? I remember what it was like trying to get a seat at the table and feel like you belonged. So I have empathy with those people. But at the same time, I'm, I'm grateful. If I've done anything in my career, it's because of that journey. It's because of those different phases you're describing, you know? Absolutely. And I think the, yeah, the phases are so important. Nikola Jokic, 
he's a favorite of mine. He's obviously a, an NBA champion this year yeah. with the Denver Nuggets. And yeah. I, I listen to everything he says. I think he's a tremendous leader. One reporter asked him one time, what was different this year? You know, and he said, nothing was different this year. This is five years of work. Um, but my favorite of his, and I, I shared it with my team at the start of this season. So I, maybe I should give some credit to Jokic. Um, he said the, the, after the national ch championship game, after the NBA finals on the Monday after to a reporter, he said, if you want to be a success, you need a couple years. You need to be bad. Then you need to be good. Then when you're good, you need to fail. And then when you fail, you're going to figure it out. There's a process. There are steps you need to fill and there are no shortcuts. It's a journey. And I'm just glad to be a part of the journey. And I, I, I mean, that is how I view coaching. Um, but I think it's, it's brilliant. It's true. You have to, you have to go through the ups and downs and you have to appreciate them and embrace them. And they're really hard in the moments. Um, and that's why I think you have to have good support. And whether that's your home structure that's able to do that, people in your life that are maybe even outside of the game, but certainly within the game who understand um, you need to have people you can call on in those moments when they when it gets dark or when you get to question or when you aren't sure, when you want to give up, when you want to stop um, that say, yeah, you probably should because sometimes you might need to or yeah, you just got to push through a bit. This is hard. It's part of what it is. It's honestly, the framework you've just detailed there in terms of succeeding, failing, learning, being good, being bad. You're what you're doing, Christy, is you're giving people a framework with which to work with to manifest all of those feelings. They don't have to feel like a failure because they fail, because it's part of the process. And you've just put it better than I think I ever have over 15, 16 episodes of this thing. But this is what we wanted people to have. We wanted them to have a way of dealing with their version of the journey because those times will come and those lonely times will come and those dark times will come. And again, going back to what you said so well at the start, social media doesn't allow a space for you to post when those times are happening. They only want to see the posts when you're lifting the trophy or the 10 seconds after you've won the game and everyone's facial reaction. But you're quite right. Five years of work, as you said, to winning a title in that basketball example and now your national championship can't be summed up in a tweet or a 10 second video, can it? And if I may interject, even that post, I would argue, and I would argue, I don't want you posting that failure necessarily. I want you talking to me about it. Yeah. Okay. Because the post doesn't get that need met for you to have that engagement that I think, I think the psychology of our brains and certainly our spirits need that connection to go, hey, you're not defined by this. Um, and you made a mistake. You have to deal with that. You have to own that if you did, or or you didn't hit your target, you didn't hit your goal. You have to deal with that. You've got to sit in it for a minute and then you recharge or you get an encouragement or whatever it might be. Um, so, so man, I would just call for that, that connection. And in fact, I'd say, I look at your list of guests that you have on and I think, can I have all of their numbers? I'd love to know. I'd love to pick their brains for their dark moments. And then I would pass along, Hey, if there's anybody listening who needs to chat, I'm more than welcome to the profession is hard and it, and it can, it can take a toll on you depending on your investment, which I invest a lot emotionally, mentally, but, oh, it is beautiful and lovely as well. The, the moments that you get to share with the people who are all striving towards the same thing. You know, I've, I've performed a couple weddings for players and to be invited in that moment, um, it's, it's special and it, it's, it's no less or more special than the national championship. And maybe it is actually more special, um, to, to watch the players have children and and become the women they are, to receive phone calls later on about um, maybe a certain struggle that they're in or to watch them come alongside each other, maybe even nothing to do with me. Those are some of my favorite moments is to watch former players still be really good friends and be able to call on each other in, in some of their own personal darker moments and to know that some environment that I created helped to foster that. A lot of people say these kinds of sentiments. I've heard a lot of people talk about how amazing it is to go to someone's wedding later in life. I, I've never heard anybody actually perform the wedding. That is amazing. Right? To do that is absolutely amazing. But a lot of people say it. 
But you, Christy, you mean it. You really mean it from your heart. And I'm lucky enough to be looking, you know, looking at you now. But I think our audience will feel that as well. And yes, you, there's nothing wrong with getting into this game because you're a winner and you want to win and you're competitive. And, and this is just how you get your competitive fix. But I don't think you can get to the top and stay at the top unless you have what you are showing us here today. And that doesn't mean you're any less competitive. Than, and this is why I love the fact we've got you on as a national champion. Because people always say, oh, well, yeah, okay, the culture piece, treating people right, thinking about the human being side, but those people don't win. But here you are saying it, and you're the national champion. So this is this is why it's so powerful and so important. And I, I just don't know where we are on this. You know, as, an, as a nation in, in, the, in the country, I don't know the state of the youth game. We've obviously gone through a period of change and disruption in the professional game in recent times in the States. College soccer is is kind of up, down, left, right. There's a, who knows what the future of college soccer looks like. Can we turn the conversation a little bit towards the future, maybe, and um, perhaps how you see it? And you know, what is the state of the nation? What is the state of of, of soccer in our nation at this point in time? Yeah, also a good question. I and I appreciate you bringing bringing it back to that. I understand. Uh, you know, you could argue as a division two coach, I get to focus a little bit more on the culture. Um, but man, I, I wouldn't want it to be lost on how much I love the game and mm. desire to play a certain way. I love, I, I desire to win and be competitive. And I, I, we try to play a certain way that gets us to that, mm. gets us to that competitive, the competitive goals that we have. So, um, that is not lost on me. Um, in that note, I, I mean, when I left the division one world, um, I, I didn't feel like I was a great parent or spouse at that time. And that was part of it. I have two young kids and that I wanted that to be a focus for a time, but I didn't want to lose an opportunity to compete for a national championship. Um, and there, I think with the gaps in the division one world now, resource wise, it can be difficult to compete for a national championship unless you have those resources. And I just wasn't at that time wanting to commit to that in my personal life. Mm -hmm. um, but I didn't want to sacrifice an ability to compete for a championship. Everywhere I've played or been, I've been fortunate enough to be able to do that. And for me, that's great joy. And, and as much as I want to do that because of my own internal drive, I've always wanted to create that environment for players. I, you know, my college coach, so I was fortunate enough to be a part of three national championships in college during my career. So my college coach drove up, you know, five hours from his home to watch me in my national championship final. Wow. I mean, full circle, just an wow. enjoyment. And I feel he's one of the people that I feel deep gratitude yeah. towards when we win that game to go, okay, this is your work too. Yeah. And you prepared a space for us to compete at this level. And I'd like to pass that on. Mm -hmm. um, and so I have a deep desire to be competitive. I mean, family games at my house are not that enjoyable all the time. My, <laughs> husband's, my husband's all about everyone having a good time. You know, he doesn't yeah. get loss. He just wants people laughing and smiling. He's a storyteller. Uh, he's brilliant, but, but that's not a part of it for me there's always a, a competitive piece. Um, and so I, I guess I, I preface that to say also, I think I'm pretty happy in my division two gig right now with, with the way the climate is right now in, in collegiate sports and in professional sports here in the U S in in the women's game. Um, I appreciate a little bit of the stability and that I think I get to focus, you know, I don't, I don't have to think about NIL. Mm. That's not mm -hmm. part of my job right now. And I'm not resourced to, I don't have a large staff. Um, but I think about some of the the mid-majors right now who are having to deal with that yeah, and also awesome. do all of their regular stuff. And so um, what is the future? I was with a bunch of coaches this last weekend and listening to them to them talk, I, I felt pretty pleased with where I was at. What mm -hmm. do we do here now? You know, I'd love to see a bit of a and I'm not involved in it. And so I always feel like if you're not involved in helping to make change, then maybe you shouldn't speak much about it. Mm -hmm. And so I, I want to tread lightly here. Mm -hmm. um, as hard as the DA was for youth side here in the States, as hard as it was for people, because that was a big shift. 
yeah. to try and get us all thinking similarly stylistically, yeah. right? And at a at I'm sure what what Europe would argue is a very basic level yeah. in terms of building out of the back, for example. Yeah. Um, to get us all on the same page was hard, yeah. I think, and but I think it was so necessary. And so I don't know that much changes at the professional level or the collegiate level until it changes at the youth level. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, there's a, a podcast um, that Derek Thompson, I think does called Plain English. And he talked about in Norway, they right. had a major overhaul for, of their youth system after they struggled in the Olympics, the winter Olympics in 2008. And the right. things that they were willing to do as a country Mm. willing to do as a country, willing to sacrifice. I mean, they they hired a, an architect for their youth system wow. and they overhauled it. Yeah. And they they beat us by a lot in the yeah. winter recently because yeah. of their willingness to overhaul. And so I think about that and I think, can we do that here mm. in the States? We are so big. I mean, they are the size of Minnesota. Yeah. So it, it's easy to overhaul. Um, but I think until you begin at the youth system, I don't know how much change. Yeah. I think, um, you know, the courage, for example, what he's doing there and how they're playing. I love yeah. that you have him on because yeah. I watched the season and and had great admiration for how they were playing, uh, how they've been playing. Um, maybe you get some of that here and there. You yeah. know, right makeup of people, right coach that can implement it and motivate and, and, and all the things that you have to do as a coach to get it looking a certain way, functioning a certain way. Maybe you get that here and there, but, but the majority of what you get, I'll speak to the college game, less the professional game. Obviously it's been very disruptive in the professional game, just with yeah. a lot of the coaching changes, but in the college game, I mean, you have a lot of direct play. Yeah. You know, you have a, a lot of a need to win, to keep your job, to work mm-hmm. with the players, you know, because we don't maybe I don't know, maybe we don't ask them to make enough decisions at the youth level. We're not as focused on the technical side of the game. When they get to the college game, it's just easier to have them run. Exactly what it is. Yeah. And, yeah. and so how do we how do we change that when there is so much money involved? I don't know. I, I would love to help, but I have two young kids. <laughs> And, and my time is, my time is minimal, but I feel, I feel it deeply. Um, I feel it for my son who is a, a tremendous, I, I cannot keep, I've refused to coach my kids yeah. and I will not push them to play soccer, but it is a lot of fun that he does. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I cannot, I mean, all he does is try to make us all day long around the house. He asked, me to come out, he asked me to come outside and play with him. And I try to say yes, as much as I can, because I know those days are going to come yeah. to an end right now. I can still beat him. And I make, I make sure that I do yeah. still beat him every time because there is some, there's going to be some point soon when yeah. that will be hard for me, yeah. um, but, but I feel for him. I want, I want to help make change if I can. And I don't, kind of don't know where to start, but that that's again, from the outside looking in, I am not involved. I want to tread lightly. Um, but I, I, I do, I do have a strong desire to see it more more uniformed in some ways here for us to have an identity as as a country and how we're going to play I mean you see success you see other I I don't know Graffy you're this is your area of the world the way that they're playing I mean that is tremendous what happened how how did that change yeah I mean it wasn't it wasn't obviously the way it is now and losing in the World Cup final this year it was probably the culmination of of a of a decade of that journey and I was obviously involved at the start of that or at a period of that but even before I was involved, there was 20, 30 years of people working in the darkness with no one noticing what was going on in the shadows and, you know, no social media, nobody having any clue of what people had to do in the women's game to advocate for it and to, you know, football was banned in England until, you know, relatively late into the 20th century. Women were chastised and and, and not allowed to even play. So, you know, to say that, you know, 20 years later after a ban being lifted or 30 years later, we're in a position where they are now is is huge. And, and obviously the US in the 90s and 2000s was well ahead of England and the rest of Europe, not so much now. And I, I think you've put it brilliantly there, Christy. Like for me, the exciting part is, and the sad part, but the exciting part is where we'll go next in the States. The sad part is I don't think the change is going to be forced until US soccer decide that we're no longer competing at the highest level and our youth teams can't compete. And we're already seeing that. 
in the 17s and 20s level and a little bit with the national team. But it shouldn't be for that reason that there is a, a change, but that is when it will take place. But what I am excited for is, is where the professional clubs will go next, the, the, the leagues that are coming out now, the youth development systems that we might see in NWSL clubs at 17 and 19 perhaps, and the knock-on effect that will have for kids going to college. They might stay at football clubs. I don't think we're far away from seeing the best players staying at soccer clubs, trying to get a professional contract and either studying alongside that or studying later on in life. And I think that's a whole different shift change that we haven't seen in the United States so far, you know? Well, I, I'd pose two more questions to you, uh, put, putting you on the spot a little bit, but, yeah. you know, it's my understanding in, in Europe, maybe the first one is a statement slash, slash question, and then a question on the second one is, um, it's my understanding that in, in European clubs, a lot of the the best coaches or top coaches in a club are are at the youth levels. Absolutely. So that you at City at Barca, you know, you're you're plugging in those coaches there so that when they get to the top level, it's ingrained in them. And so my I guess my follow-up question to that, because because I feel that sometimes, you know, I I won't there are some coaches, I mean a lot so in America at the college game, the pro game is obviously taking off. So we could argue that's more where it's happening now. But for for most of the history of our soccer, the college mm-hmm. game is where the top coaches were. Indeed. And that's not happening at the youth levels. And so how do we how do we flip that? And also even pushing back more on the England's women's national team, I thoroughly enjoyed watching them. And they were without a lot of their top players. Like I, I cannot even imagine what it's gonna. I'm very excited to watch them with some of those players returning and some of the ones coming up, but they that stylistically, even the improvement in the last decade, how what was the willingness to make that shift? What was the shift in football over there? And and how can we borrow? How did, how did they make that change? Yeah, I mean, obviously I was fortunate to have a front row seat to a, a bit of it, but it started with the Football Association. That's the truth. There was, um, there was some good work done by the FA in terms of preparing an England DNA and this is how the national teams are going to play and how the youth teams are going to play. And everyone got on the same page, at least at national team level. We were slightly different in that kind of time, you know, around the 2015 World Cup in that we didn't feel like we were the finished article. We knew we had good players, but we didn't think that we could go out and go toe to toe with the US or or Germany or Japan. So we kind of changed every time we played. We, we looked at every team and said, well, this is how we beat them. This is how we beat them. This is how we beat them. And obviously, we were relatively successful in that period of time leading through to the, the Euros in 2017. But it was still more about looking outside and what do we need to do to beat them. What the England team, I think, has done a great job and Serena is doing a great job of now is they have their own identity, their own way of playing that they believe in and they are not changing for anybody. And they have now ingrained it such that fans know what they're going to expect when they go there. They know what kind of product they're going to see. 50,000, 60,000 every week, every time England play now. Um, and and obviously the players are becoming household names. And, and this is helping the Super League grow and everything's being done with governance at the top. Now, without, again, trying to criticise US soccer or anyone else, I'm not sure it's that joined up here in the United States. And for good reason, because we've said this on the podcast before, a young aspiring player listening to us today, Christy, who is 14 years of age, who wants to be a pro, she isn't being developed by her youth club to pay for her first team in that youth club. She's not even being developed for a college in that youth club. So everybody is so short-minded. What can I get now? How can I win now? How can this player help me win now? To Yeah, exactly, to make sure they keep their jobs and make sure they get paid. That you know, I don't like it, but it's true. That is what happens. And sadly, college, very similar. So it will change. It, it will change, obviously, you know, the UK, Britain, Europe, 150 years of history, but not on the women's side. You know, up until 1990, 80s, it was, it was banned. So, you know, this is a change that's happened in the last kind of generation in the in the UK. And it's something that can be changed, I think, even in a country as big as the US. But, yeah, you're right. It's um, it's a really interesting, it's a really interesting topic of debate for sure. Yeah. And, and since we can't solve that... <laughs> In this, in this, you know, morning <laughs> slot um, yeah. that I have with you, um, yeah. I think, I think for myself is the the biggest thing right now that I can continue to just grow. I yeah. I feel like 
there's a great thinker of the game in our area right now in San Diego. And I feel like over the last couple of years, I've been able to learn from him. Um, And I feel like I'm seeing the game in a new way and I am 15 years into it. You know, I I think the, I guess the urging I would have would, it's back to that learner student of it. My Mm -hmm. willingness to, was my willingness to, to learn and grow, help get us a national championship. I don't know, but it's scary. I mean, it's scary to, to shift, to not be certain if you can, when you learn a new way of the game, a new way of seeing it, you have to be able to coach within that. You can't just borrow that. So you have to be able to make changes. You have to see adjustments. You have to see when they're not getting it. You have to coach it differently. And I feel like the last two years have been some of the most challenging for me as a tactical thinker of the game in terms of of implementing a different way of playing to my players. And that's, I mean, as a head coach, you you feel like you have to have all the answers all the time. And I think sometimes my willingness to say, okay, we're not getting it. What do you guys think? Like, this is how I think we can get it. You on board with that? Are you comfortable? Are you comfortable inverting this way? Are you comfortable playing this ball? Can you see this ball? No, you can't. Okay. We got to come at it a different way, or we have to spend the next two weeks getting it. You know, I, I, I think some learning a willingness to, to maybe throw away what, you know, or step aside from what you're comfortable with and jump into the things that you're a little less certain about and get better at them. Uh, even this late in, in a career, not that it's that late. It's not like I have all this wealth of knowledge and experience, but I have enough of it now where I can say I could be very set in my ways yeah. or I can try something new um, that I really like because I can see it. My mind can see it. My body can feel it. And if those th- two things, I know for myself, if those two things are true for me, then I can communicate it. And I think I can get us playing within that. And, and I have to, if I can do that, then I have to set aside what I'm comfortable in and move into that. And there are many times there, I I mean, I can picture a session two years ago in preseason and they're not getting it and I'm not sure how to fix it. And I'm supposed to be preparing them for season. And I feel so uncomfortable and I hate that feeling. And I just want to walk away and, you know, go teach Pilates. Yeah. not have anybody rely on me, not have any decisions, not have to fix things. Um, but yeah. I am a problem solver by nature. And so I went back and I thought, how'd you get through it? What'd you do? That, uh, I went back and I, Christy, that wasn't good enough. How would you have fixed that session? Would you do the session again? What are the tweaks you can make? I write to, after every training session, I have logs of my training sessions. I go back and I write notes on them, whether that's individuals like so-and-so played well today. Um, so that I, I can reflect back and go, okay, this is, this was a time and a season they were doing well, or this is when they made the shift. And here's what we were doing when they made the shift, recognize patterns. Also, I would tweak this. The dimensions weren't great on that. Um, adding a player here was good. These two neutrals were good. Um, two is better than one. And this neutral in this exercise. So constantly logging, constantly taking yeah. notes, reflecting, how could I do that better? Um, so yeah, all that to say, <laughs> I think the best I can do right now is work on my little corner of of soccer in the U.S. and and that's a lot of you know self reflection, working to do it better, engaging in the game, watching the game, loving the game, and stepping away from it when you need to. Mm-hmm. You know, going going and working on dance with my daughter, getting into that world, um, so that I can can stop. So. And being present in that world, not just being like absent-minded and thinking about soccer. But I think that is where we're going. And I know we're pressed for time, but I I know that's, I'm glad that where we're going is, you know, you can step away. You can still be successful. You can still be a national champion and have a little bit of balance, at least in terms of I'm going to spend this time here and do that. I don't have to be all encompassing, obsessive at the detriment of everybody I love and everybody around me as well. And that's a that's a message for 2024 that I don't think we had in 2004. Oh, absolutely. Um, and, and honestly, Gafi, it's a message I regularly need because of probably when I was raised and how I was raised. I was raised by teachers and coaches. Yeah. You fall down, you pick yourself back up, you work hard, there's pride in that work. And I, I that's not lost on me though, as being really powerful too. In a day and age where we're talking about balance, I think we've also lost the art of working hard yeah, and that there, and that there's good in that. The pendulum has to swing. 
significant both ways in our society. And right now we're in the swinging of um, a little bit more care for certainly of the self, which I, I believe in, but also uh, do what we want when we want, because it's better for me. Yeah. But if we're all connected and if we need each other, then sometimes we do have to sacrifice a little bit of ourself mm. for the other, not for the win, but yeah. for the other. And, yeah. and so trying to stay there, I try to stay there in the middle and I err on both sides. Um, well, I'll, I'll um, tell you this, I don't think I've had a chance to tell you this, but you definitely helped me connect the dots on that side of things, spiritually. And what I knew what this game meant to me. Everyone who's ever met me or been around me knows what it means to me, but I, I, you helped me to connect those dots and to feel that way and to put a frame of reference on how important it was to be authentic and, and live, because you, know, you know me, I'm a little bit crazy, stupid at times. I say, you know, whatever things I say, but I, I got to be authentic. And you were one of the first people in my career I came across who had, was strong enough to be authentic in that way and difficult circumstances at times as well. And that's what you did for me. And I never got a chance to say thank you for that, but I know we're pushed for time, but I want to give you the, the final word, Christy, I, you know, any kind of, what would you want to say out there to people who are coming up and listening and, and really just want to follow in your footsteps and lift that national title one day and, and everything that we've discussed today, we could be a five hours. I know you and I, but I want to give you the final word because it's been an absolutely phenomenal episode and I, I hope we've helped a lot of people here today. So over to you. Well, I just thank you. I thank you for having me and for what you're doing for the game through this for, for us mm -hmm. to be able to connect and have a, a resource, a place to go. Um, you know, I think you and I are similar, Gaffi, in terms of our love for the game in part because it helped to raise us. Mm -hmm. I mean, the game raised us and, and I have a, a wonderful family. So it's not that, but there were a lot of hard times in, in childhood and young adult years where the game was what taught me things that are important for now. They're important for me as a mother, as a spouse, as a coach, as a friend. And so I feel a deep need to give back to that game and that experience. And that is a big part of why I do what I do. Um, I am someone that I feel like has both and I feel deep gratitude for this too. I have a, a, a deep love for the game itself. I enjoy watching. I enjoy going. I enjoy learning. I will read uh, anything Pep writes because I'm fascinated by his mind, <laughs> but, but anything that I can get my hands on for the game. And then I would follow that up with sport in general. You know, I, I love what it does for us as community, as individuals, for what it teaches us. I play great value in that, which I, I guess is the other side. I also love culture and love what can be learned through sport because at the end of the day, you're going to be done at some point with it yeah. and you're going to have to look around you and, and hopefully there are people around you. Yeah. And, yeah. and for a lot, there might not be if you don't have that perspective and treat it well, but hopefully there are people around you and, and you're probably not going to be fixated. The conversations around in those moments aren't going to be on some of those wins and losses they might be some of them teach us too but they're they're going to be the moments the conversations whether that's a locker room a bus ride um a big game um those are the moments that you're reflecting on and so how do you live in both of those well and that that's what i try to do um and so the moment the national championship moment was a very very average 1-0 soccer game it was average. It was not our best. Very few yeah. finals are, I know that, but it was average. Yeah. That is not what I think about when I think about the trophy that I'm looking at in the office right now. You know, I, I think about this year, I think about the laughter, a really hard conversation with a player, her willingness to come to me with that. I think about that right away. Um, I think about the different tactical things we tried um, that worked, that didn't work. I think about the, I was sitting here a year ago today saying, these are the three things, always do that end of season reflection. What are the things that help us get closer to our goals? Three things we wanna improve on. And I was laughing, one of them was set pieces. We earn, I think we earned 118 corners last, last year, not this past season, the one before. We yeah. scored off of, I mean, we scored, I think, three real goals. Yeah. And the rest from that. That many corners. I mean, that's that's 
terrible, terrible stats. Yeah, right there. The team, yeah. And so that was one of our focuses. Do you know how we scored our goal in the final championship? Yep. <laughs> and so, you know, just the reflection on that. Um, but all this, all that to say, the big moment is is not what I think about. I think about all of the moments that led up to that moment. And I think, you know, people ask me right now a lot, like, what's the feeling? You hear a lot of professionals um, who talk about, and you hear this all the time, especially in the areas of mental health, they got the trophy, they raised the trophy, they got to the plane and it was yeah. fleeting. Yeah. Um, I don't have that. Yeah. It's not gone for me because I don't think about the trophy ever with it. And the one word that I've used, a couple of people have asked, what's the one word that you would use? to describe how you feel. And I would say, I say satisfied in a very pure way. So I feel the satisfaction of kind of coming back to where we started this last year's work, the six years here at Point Loma, and then the 15 or so years in the career, and then the 25 or 35 years of playing, you know, it's all of that. And so those are the thoughts that flood my mind, the word pictures that I have when you associate national champion. I do not think about all the things that one might think I think about. I think about the the years of it. So, and the, and what the game has given me and if I can give it back or pass it down to somebody younger than I, so they can keep doing the same, then I hope that's, that's what I can do. Well, you've just done both. I'll guarantee you that this last hour with you, Christy, you've just done both and more and from everybody here at the pro player we cannot wait to see what you go on and continue to do i know that for every seat that you sit in that's a seat that women's football doesn't have to worry about and that that is what it is and and congratulations on the national title congratulations on just being an amazing person miss you wish you the best hope everything you know in the coming months and years pans out the way you want it to but you've definitely got I'm sure a few more thousand fans after listening to you today. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you, my friend. Great to be with you.